Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Thursday. Let's dive in. Tucker Carlson brought Kerry Lake onto his program, and as you can imagine, it was a disaster. Uh, she spread all of her normal election lies about the Arizona um, election, and he supported them as much as possible. So here's the reason why we have to keep discussing this, and then we'll dive in this first clip from this interview. This is the symptom of the election denying uh, disease or problem that we were calling out with Trump when he first started it all. And so as long as Trump has the relevance within the Republican Party and the MAGA movement does, which even when Trump moves along, we're still gonna have this MAGA brand that might get behind somebody else, but will still be alive and well, we must talk about when the leaders kind of manifest into that dangerous set of beliefs and spreading the dangerous lies as she does. So she continues to pretend like her lawsuit's gonna do something in Arizona, which it won't. Um, and so here's the first moment from this interview. We vote for a full month in Arizona with early ballots. And on election day, when the Republicans showed up, the election day voting was sabotaged. And that's what our case is going to prove. It's a 70 page lawsuit that reads like a real crime novel. And of course, election day was not sabotaged in Arizona. It was perfectly fine. The one issue that they'll point at, as we've discussed extensively now, is that on election day, a few locations had tabulated problems, meaning the machines that tabulate the votes real quickly had issues. But the people who actually went and voted, the voters weren't prevented from voting. They just did their voting process and then put their ballot in a secure box and then it was tabulated later, right? It was perfectly fine. And the tabulation machines got sorted out or the tabulator machines. Here's a second moment that I want to take a look at with you. Tens of thousands of ballots were rejected because there were no signatures or scribbles and they somehow got thrown in and counted anyways. No. There are a plethora of problems that went down in Maricopa County. And if somebody doesn't stand up and say, we can't have our elections being run this way, then we'll never have another fair election. I mean, 60% of the polling places on election day were inoperational or non-functioning. Incorrect. When do we stop and say enough is enough? Would it have to get to 80%, 90%, 100%? When do we yeah. say we need to have our elections run fair? I completely agree with you. And if you care about democracy, this would be the top of your list. I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. Carrie Lake, right. thank you for telling us about it tonight. Good to see mm. you. Just so heartened by the brave warrior that she is, Tucker Carlson. So uh, with that being said, just to focus in on one of the claims that she made that we've already talked about uh, being dishonest and incorrect is this mismatched signatures or that fraudulent ballots because of the way that they were signed or counted. It's just not true. We looked at this Yahoo News article when we went over the lawsuit when it was originally announced. And uh, this one writes, Lake's lawsuit claims that hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election in Maricopa County and that thousands of Republican voters were disenfranchised due to long lines on election day. Equipment was hacked and printer failures were intentional misconduct intended, uh, intended to deny Carrie Lake her crown. Never does her lawsuit acknowledge that voters affected could simply drop their untabulated ballots into a secure box to be counted later, as I highlighted. Meanwhile, the lawsuit claims tens of thousands of early ballots with mismatched signatures were counted, a fact that Lake and her lawyers know, despite not having a single one to offer as evidence of the county's diabolical plot. So that's one of the particularly silly parts of this. I say silly in the 
scariest way possible, that Carrie Lake and her lawyers will say hundreds of thousands of these had issues with the signatures. Okay, if you have hundreds of thousands of examples, can you show us one? They can't. And so this is very similar to what we saw in 2020, where you have a whole lot of claims, a whole lot of ideas and beliefs behind why the election was stolen, very little evidence that can prove that. And I remember in one of the instances with 2020, Rudy Giuliani was reported to have said, we have a lot of, it was the January 6th select committee actually, that was interviewing someone who heard Rudy Giuliani say this to them. Uh, we have a whole lot of claims without evidence or something to that effect. And that's exactly true. They were trying to find evidence, which they couldn't for claims they'd already decided they wanted to be true, which is very dangerous. And this continues breaking down the belief and trust in our democratic process, which all the evidence shows our election processes are really good. And so that's a dangerous thing to be doing. We talked about on yesterday's show, Donald Trump had a big announcement for us today and it has been released. He did that kind of cringy video where he was portrayed as a superhero saying that tomorrow America needs a superhero and I have a major announcement. And ladies and gentlemen, it's big. Take a look at this. Hello everyone, this is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington. Hmm. With an important announcement to make, I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. You can collect your Trump digital cards just like a baseball card or other collectibles. Here's one of the best parts. Each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing prize, but it's what we have. Or golf with you and a group of your friends at one of my beautiful golf courses, and they are beautiful. I'm also doing Zoom calls, a one-on-one -on -one meeting, autographing memorabilia, and so much more. We're doing a lot. My official Trump digital trading cards are $99, which doesn't sound like very much for what you're getting. Buy one and you will join a very exclusive community. It's my community. And I think it's something you're going to like and you're going to like it a lot. They also make perfect gifts. So you can buy them with your credit card or crypto. All you need is an email address. Go to collecttrumpcards.com. Okay, you get the point. So using the hope from his followers that maybe if they buy this Trump coin, they'll be the winner to go and meet him and have dinner. Can you imagine? And um, using that to get them to invest in something that will make him money. The grift continues because not that raffling off prizes is necessarily bad, but with him, he's just found so many different ways to suck money out of people who believe in him. And the other thing is NFTs I would not suggest people thinking of that as a way to intelligently invest their money. Now, if you're just doing it because you think it's cool to have a Trump card, that's one thing. But if there are people believing, oh, I've heard of NFTs, it's my chance to get rich off of them, that's an extra layer of bad news for them. And so the major announcement, when I completely was off yesterday and I thought, major announcement, maybe he'll actually be preemptively putting out who his vice president will be if he wins um, in 2024, but not even close. Instead, he just found yet another way 
to grift his followers out of more money. Very silly and unfortunate. Steven Crowder went on quite the unhinged rant, telling his followers something we hear way too often from many in the conservative movement right now, which is you're losing your country. They're taking it away from you. And it's because of these horrible child sexual assaulters, the Democrats, right? That's what we hear so often from too many. And as I've talked about, and then we'll dive into this clip, the reason why this is an effective tool to attack the left with is because nothing makes people more hateful and angry and justified in negative actions than telling them the other side is coming for your kids. Nobody wants to hear that and will accept that. And so people get quite motivated, angry, and fearful when you use that. But it's so dangerous. And we'll break, uh, break down a few of those specifics while we watch this. Let's get away from the idea of a stolen election. And let me start this over. Let's get away from the idea of a stolen election, because of course you can't discuss that. Of course you can't say that intelligence agencies, mainstream media, and those at big tech colluded to try and alter the election. You can't say that. You can't say that the Hunter Biden story would have actually altered the outcome of the election, except for the fact that uh, Biden voters themselves. You can say it. You're just being criticized whenever you make claims that are dishonest. That's all that's happening. We can't say the election was stolen. Go ahead, say it, and I'll explain to you why it wasn't. Or the Hunter Biden story would have made Trump president. That story, while it was initially censored on Twitter, then got posted all over the place and got tons of attention. I remember because I was there alive before the election and still Biden won. So pretending like that would have changed the election results is silly said that it absolutely would you can't argue right we, we we can't argue that for some reason out there there's uh there are groomers you're not allowed to talk about that because it's a term that's no longer again there are groomers we should call those out we should go after those people it's just not an issue of the democratic party is pro-grooming that's the dishonest part that we're calling out you can say it again you just might be incorrect about who you're throwing that label at and you might be making a dangerous decision to do so. And then you'll see here, he lists off multiple things. Take a look. And the other uh, bit too is we're saying, stop calling every single LGBTQ person that you come across a groomer for simply being that identity. We're not saying that actual groomers shouldn't be called out and held accountable. Allowed. Also the term woman is no longer allowed. The term patriot is no longer allowed. But what are you talking about, Steven? <laughs> Who is saying the word woman isn't allowed? The only discussion that's going on is, hmm, maybe these concepts such as gender should be not just explored, but also supported in people's exploration of these very complex identity uh, realities that we interact with on a daily basis. But man and woman are topics the left is perfectly great with both saying, discussing, and understanding. Donald Trump was removed. The Hunter Biden laptop story was removed. People who criticized Twitter's policy regarding child pornography were removed. People who were conservative were removed. I'm not talking about a stolen election because I would never say that. Look, hey, you're now experiencing a stealing of your country. Let me put a fine point on it. Do you believe the United States is a country where those in power support sex with children? If not, there are enough people, not all of them, of course not, but there are enough people in positions of authority 
who think that that should be a part of the fabric of our country. Let's not talk about an election. You are having your country stolen from you. And to be clear, not talking about open borders, though I have a problem with that. I'm not talking about people coming on work visas. I am talking about people in positions of power who have decided that values that we have held since the beginning of the founding of this country, and by the way, all of Western civilization. Okay, you get the point. I'm being taken away, yes. So, uh, again, when he says people in power want to, however he worded it, but weave going after your children to the fabric of our society, what he's trying to say is that the liberals are pushing for that. It's the Democratic Party. And what's so wild about this is I don't think it's a political issue, the issue of child sexual assault or um, grooming or anything like that. I think we all can unite around the idea that those issues should be dealt with and those people should be held accountable. But the conservative movement right now is obsessed with the idea that it's the left that's pro-grooming when a really good video that we'll put in the description was put together by Midas Touch that's too long to watch for this segment, but it's five plus minutes of just listing off all of the prominent Republicans who have been caught for, reported on, to have had child pornography or they, uh, child sexual assault, underage minors, you know, all of these things. And even with that, I still won't use the tool of grooming as something to beat the Republican Party with. Instead, I want to talk about the policies we disagree on and all of this. But they use that as a tool nonstop, even though if you want to have a discussion about which party has more prominent members that have been caught with that type of crime, it is the Republican Party for sure. And so it's so dishonest, it's so enraging because if you can convince your followers that the other side is just a bunch of groomers and pedophiles and all of that, your followers are gonna feel very justified in doing some bad things to those people and that's what scares me so much. Came across a segment on CNN. It was really interesting breaking down um, both how Trump is becoming so much more unpopular within the Republican Party, but then also how Biden is not favored to run again with the Democratic base, but is more favored as an individualized politician, has higher favorable numbers than a lot of other Democrats that would be the person you would think of to possibly run in his place. Very interesting. Take a look at this segment. New CNN polls out today reveal what voters are thinking about when it comes to the 2024 presidential race. Former President Trump has already declared his candidacy and President Biden says he intends to run for re-election. But these early numbers indicate that America doesn't necessarily want this rematch. CNN senior data reporter Harry Enten is here with more. So Harry, what are you seeing in these poll results? Yeah, let's just start off on the Republican side. Should Trump be the GOP's 2024 presidential nominee? Back in January, February, it was basically a mixed bag, 50% to 49%, 50% saying yes. Look at Trump's numbers, though, the trend line. That yes dropped to 44% in July. Now it's just 38%. The clear majority, 62% of Republicans say, no, Trump should not be the Republican nominee. But it's also interesting when we look at the favorable ratings among Republican voters. Look at this, the favorable rating of Ron DeSantis, who obviously has not declared but there's a lot of whispering that he will run in 2024. Look at that, a 77% approval rating. Donald Trump among Republicans, just a 62% approval rating. Mm. So Donald Trump uh, losing momentum among Republicans. 
Yes, he is absolutely losing momentum among Republicans at this point. And I want to just sort of compare that to the Democratic side at this particular point, right? There's not really momentum here. Should, should Joe Biden be the Democrats' 2024 presidential nominee? What do we see here? We see that back in January and February, 45% said yes. In July, it dipped all the way down, my goodness, to 25%. Now it's back up to 40%. Still, the majority say, no, Joe Biden should not be the Democratic nominee, 59%. But the big difference between the Democratic and Republican side is Joe Biden is still the most well-liked Democrat at this point. His favorable rating, 82%. Some other potential 2024 nominees among Democrats, Kamala Harris, 62% favorable rating. Gavin Newsom with just a 47% approval of favorable so take, rating. So even though- Take a look at that. So you have a situation where on the Trump side, as we've seen the trends kind of going in the direction of DeSantis becoming way more popular, Trump becoming way, less popular but then this fascinating phenomenon with joe biden specifically where democratic voters 82 percent of them see him favorably but a lot of a majority excuse me uh 59 don't want him to run so you have they like him presumably they like what he's done as president but they don't actually want him to run for re-election which is exactly how i feel i like a lot of the policies he's pushed for and some successfully gotten through, I don't actually want him to run for re-election. I think someone else should come through. But then you have a situation as well where the other people that would kind of be the filler, the next person floated, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, aren't anywhere close to as popular among Democratic voters, which is so fascinating and so unusual um, compared to other situations in politics. A really good video was put out by Media Matters, breaking down the way that lies and conspiracy theories get spread on Fox News and the way that they can bend them and manipulate kind of their audience's perception of a story to keep a conspiracy going, even when the previous conspiracy that they were pushing for contradicts the new one that they're pushing for. So the example that's being used and the situation that's being called out here is the Sam Bankman Freed situation. And so hold, because I got to give you the background, but then this video is absolutely incredible. Sam Bankman Freed, the founder of FTX, the crypto exchange company, it collapsed. And now he's being charged with money laundering and different crimes in relation to that. And so before, because he was reported to have, and said, I'm pretty sure, donated to Democrats a lot, the right-wing conspiracy on Fox News first was the reason why he's not being held accountable, this was before he was charged, is because the Democrats love him, so they're preventing him from getting held accountable. Then he was charged, and they said, ha-ha, the Democrats are trying to charge him and arrest him, so he can't go and testify in front of Congress. It flipped. So take a look at this incredible video, again, by Media Matters, that walks you through, before he got charged, all the different figures who were pretending like there was some conspiracy with the Democratic Party. After he gets charged, the conspiracy flips. Sam Bankman-Fried isn't stupid. He knows he's bulletproof. He knows the Democratic Party and the SEC and his friend Gary Gensler won't touch him. How is this guy not shackled? And hasn't he been extradited and just sitting in solitary somewhere? So why no concern over him? Why haven't you heard of him until now? 
Well, he was Biden's second biggest donor and pumped millions into the Democratic Party. Democrats have always bailed out their biggest backers. For years, if you donated just enough money to Democrats, you could do just about anything. This Ponzi schemer's dirty money bought Democrats the Senate. This is a glaring example of everything that's wrong with our government and the power elite in Washington. If you are a crook, but you got the right friends and you're on the right team, then you'll be taken care of. As of yesterday. Okay, so then all of that is them building this idea that because Sam Bankman-Fried donated a lot of money to Democrats, which by the way, that's what he would do in open ways. And then later he admitted that through dark money, so ways that can't super PACs and stuff like this behind the scenes, he was also donating a similar amount to Republicans, which is how a lot of billionaires roll. They'll donate to all sorts of people to get their favor, which is unfortunate and bad with our system. And um, I hate it, but that's what was happening. And so the original theory, and then we'll get to how it's flipped, is Sam Bankman-Fried, he should be in jail right now because of all this he did with his company, but he's not because Joe Biden loves his money and is protecting him with the DOJ or something of the source. Okay, then it shows a clip of, uh, let's see, Chris Hayes on MSNBC reporting on this and breaking down the hypocrisy, it's wild. Sam Bankman-Fried is in jail. He's been arrested. He has been charged, arraigned, denied bail. There was no cover-up. There was no special treatment. You might think that being so flagrantly wrong would invite some soul-searching by the folks who pushed the bogus charges of corruption for over a month now. But of course, that's not what happened, no. Because Republicans have a complete monopoly on the information their voters and viewers consume, instead of any sort of mea culpa, they can just seamlessly transition into a wholly new and contradictory conspiracy theory. In this case, the new theory is that Sam Bankman-Fried's arrest, the thing Republicans have been calling for for weeks, was actually a ploy by the Biden DOJ to prevent Fried from spilling the beans before Congress in testimony that was scheduled for today. First of all, I've never seen the Southern District of New York act so quickly on it. So for our podcast listeners, I'm sure you assume, but now it's cutting back to more recent Fox's claims post Sam Bankman-Fried getting charged, saying the opposite conspiracy. Of course he got charged by Biden because Biden's trying to prevent him from testifying in Congress. Case this enormous. So why stop him from testifying in front of Congress today? Because you don't want information to come out that's political. Look, he was a number one donor to Democrat political causes. I think that this was an attempt to literally shut down the truth. Now, never mind the fact this new conspiracy completely contradicts the old one, that the Democrats were dragging their feet, the Biden administration. Fox News knows by now it doesn't matter to its audience. As long as Republicans remain safely ensconced in their own media echo chamber, they can keep spinning and spinning the truth away without any real consequences. Absolutely correct. And this may have, this was uploaded by Media Matters, may have been uh, from Chris Hayes or Media Matters kind of splicing him in there. But again, we went over recently, Jesse Waters on Fox News saying the same thing you saw from Janine Pirro there. Um, or yeah, Judge Janine, is that who that is? I think so. One of the Fox News hosts and Jesse Waters was saying a very similar thing just recently. Ah, interesting timing that all Sam Bankman-Fried's being held accountable for his crimes. Little bit suspicious, but <laughs> isn't that the exact thing you've been pushing for on your network? And it shows you as Chris Hayes highlighted, when you have the wording he used was a monopoly on your audience's information or something of the sort, you really can bend 
the presentation of stories however you would like to continue attacking someone regardless of its attachment, these attacks to reality. And so with the Sam Bankman-Fried criticism of Biden, now that the story is completely flipped, they have to come up with a new way to attack Biden. And so they just completely bail on the past thing, create a new one and keep going with it. And this is why it's so enraging trying to knock down uh, arguments that are being kind of based in conspiracy theory, because if you knock down one of the tenets of their argument, they'll just pop up a million new ones that also aren't based in reality. And you gotta chase all those down and you just kind of run in circles forever and they can keep creating new ones as fast as you can debunk them, which is quite difficult, but it's what we have to do every single day. Rand Paul, not Rand Paul, oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Rand Paul, yeah, it's Rand Paul. There we go. Uh, Rand Paul, went on Fox News and addressed the possible government shutdown that kind of comes around every single time the two parties have to agree on funding the government. It looks like a bipartisan deal has been made about funding the government, which is good. But Rand Paul kind of agreed that this is an example of the fact that Republicans, while they talk a big talk about caring about fiscal conservatism, they don't actually walk the walk. And so with me, I disagree with Rand Paul a bunch. And he at least purports to genuinely care about being fiscally conservative. I'm not someone who is particularly fiscally conservative. So we disagree there. But we agree that from so many Republicans, this is just a big ploy or just kind of an optical thing to criticize the Democrats when they don't actually care about being fiscally conservative. So we'll look at that statement, but first to get you the uh, background on the funding of the government uh, from CNN. Congress is on track to pass a week-long extension to avert a shutdown on Friday, but a broader funding deal had been challenging amid a dispute between the two parties over how much money should be spent on non-defense domestic priorities. Shelby had previously told reporters the two sides were roughly $26 billion uh, apart, but then Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell said on Tuesday, negotiators are very close to getting a deal on a spending bill that would be broadly appealing. So it looks like they're coming around the corner on a deal there to prevent any uh, disaster funding wise. And so here's Rand Paul on Fox Business giving his thoughts. This brings upon us the lie that Republicans really are fiscally conservative. The Democrats aren't. They will not pretend to be fiscally conservative. Not one of them up here gives a darn about the debt. Republicans all profess to, but when you make them vote on the PAYGO resolution, pay as you go, that we can't have new spending without offsetting it, they always vote to exempt it. So the omnibus will be 3,000 pages. We'll get it two hours before they want to pass it. No one will read it. But hidden in the 3,000 pages will be, we're going to waive PAYGO. So Steve Moore's right, it would take 41 votes. But the other thing is, 41 votes would stop the big spending. If 41 of us said no and held our ground until there was a compromise, we could force Democrats to reduce spending. We have completely and totally abdicated the power of the purse. Republicans are emasculated, they have no power, and they are unwilling to gain that power back the only way they can get it, divide the spending into 12 bills and then decide to hold one of them hostage or two of them hostage and then apply policy changes in that. Okay, and then he's diving into specifics there. But um, again, I disagree with him pretty much wholesale except for 
yeah, his Republican colleagues don't actually care about the debt as they pretend to when preventing really good legislation that would help the American people. And oftentimes, too often, it's the Republican administrations that jack up the deficit further than, than the Democrats do. We looked at recently when diving to comparisons between Democratic economies and Republican economies, that over the last 40 years, Republican presidents have increased the deficit more than Democratic presidents, but under Democratic presidents, the economy was better. And so, so many of the notions and talking points that are run with within conservative spaces just seem to be so often proven incorrect by the actual data. And uh, there you have a situation where because he really doesn't want this type of stuff to get funded, he's more willing, Rand Paul that is, to call out the fact that his own party doesn't actually care about the issues, um, at least in regard to the debt, the deficit, fiscal conservatism that they purport to. I'm on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Luke P. Beasley. Megyn Kelly was talking with um, somebody, Abigail Schreier, and Megyn Kelly is definitely a conservative commentator, as you guys might be aware. And she said something that piqued my interest because it's something I get annoyed with day to day in my personal life a lot. So we're going to dive into that after we look at this. Um, not super long, but just to kind of serve as a launch point to a broader discussion. Now that Barry and Matt Taibbi have been doing this reporting, they're being called conservatives by the mainstream press reporting on their reporting, right? Like, oh, of course he called some of these conservatives. These are not conservatives. I know a lot of conservatives. These are not two of them. They do this to me too. A every article that, that quotes me or has a segment of mine, conservative podcaster Megan Kelly, I'm not a conservative. I'm not even a Republican. I don't know what I am. I'm not political. I'm independent and I have strong viewpoints on various things, but they don't all run conservative. Like what are they? So, but your, your point in your tweet was. Okay. So their actually conversation um, or the actual conversation here about Matt Taibbi and all that, not relevant to why I want to talk about this, but there. Okay, so often, and Ben knows this, <laughs> producer Ben understands how much this annoys me. You talk with people and they want to believe that I'm just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm kind of like above all of this politics stuff. And the reason why it bothers me is because while that feels nice to say, no, I don't really believe that this is a matter of Republican or Democrat. This is just, I'm an independent, is because the issues that are being fought for matter. This is not sports teams. No, I don't want to weigh in on, you know, Cowboys versus Texans or whatever. You guys have your fun. I don't really care. This is people's lives that we're talking about. And on one side, the Democratic Party is flawed as heck. Yes. But when you compare them to the Republican Party and compare what's being fought for and what's being done for the American people, it's obvious which one should be preferred by most people if they care about the well-being of the majority of Americans. And so, vast, vast, vast majority. And so when you pull yourself out of that and say, I don't really wanna fight for one of the sides, or you are dishonest and you perpetuate a lot of right-wing talking points like she does, but pretend like you're not actually just a conservative, it enrages me to my core. Because that's how you trick people. You get someone who actually doesn't know where they stand, and so they come to someone, oh, Megyn Kelly, she says she's an independent. She's not political, but she weighs in on a bunch of political issues and has a political bias, but she's not political. And that's why I've had people ask me, 
what do you, who aren't that familiar with my show, but they hear that I have a show, they'll say kind of, what, how do you portray yourself? Is it um, opinionated or what? And I say, I just upfront tell people, I'm progressive, here's who I support, here's the issues I care about, so that you're not trying to weed through and decipher through this optical lie that a lot of people present that I just kind of, I'm not left or right, I'm just truth. I just know the correct thing all the time. And I just find that so dishonest and so aggravating, but let me know. Oh, and to be clear, it's not because um, I think necessarily there's one correct set of political views, no. Obviously the views that I have, I believe are correct, otherwise I wouldn't believe them. But I understand at some point, certain things can change and more information can be presented and all of that. It's to say that whatever views you do have, don't be afraid about admitting to those views, classifying yourself, not to divide, but to understand and to be clear about what issues are we even fighting for and so that we can unite with one another and make those things a reality and implement those policies. Now I will say, let me know what you think in the comments or you can hit me up on Instagram at Luke Beasley Official. Interesting piece uh, out of the New York Times revealing that Donald Trump is attempting to help Kevin McCarthy become Speaker of the House. We've been following uh, in detail Kevin McCarthy's pursuit to become Speaker of the House and the issues he's running into on that front, specifically the House Freedom Caucus. Matt Gates leading the charge on that, saying they will not vote for Kevin McCarthy. And if that is true, Kevin McCarthy could not become Speaker. And if on the day of the Speakership vote, the House Freedom Caucus does not vote for him, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, could become speaker, which is crazy, and that's what's going on. Apparently, Trump is helping to lobby for Kevin McCarthy. Who knows these days, if that matters at all, how politically damaged he is. But again, for the New York Times, despite Trump's lobbying, McCarthy's speaker bid remains imperiled on the right. Former President Donald J. Trump has been working the phones, personally pitching right-wing lawmakers on voting to make Representative Kevin McCarthy the Republican leader he has called My Kevin. That is a weird kind of like pet nickname. <laughs> um, my Kevin, come here, my Kevin, my love, my, my bride. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The Speaker of the House, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, the most outspoken far-right member of his conference, is publicly vouching for Mr. McCarthy. The California Republican has made private entreaties and public promises to win over his critics, including floating the impeachment of a member of President Biden's cabinet. So that's the background. And now I'll show you uh, one of CNN's reporters asked Kevin McCarthy in what seemed to be a little bit of a sarcastic way, how are things still hanging in the balance if Trump has been lobbying for you? Has it been so hard for you to get 218 votes to become speaker? When you have President Trump apparently lobbying on your behalf, you've been meeting with members of the Freedom Caucus, but the votes just aren't there. Why has it been so hard for you? Have you spent any time with my conference? <laughs> but I mean, you know what's amazing to me? Here we are with one of the biggest things going on on uh, spending, and I can always count on you for the most inappropriate question. But Wait, next question, yes. So, how asking why is it so difficult? for you to get your 218 votes is inappropriate. I don't know, but uh, he didn't want to answer that one. And then here's Fox News bringing Kevin McCarthy on and just really pressing him. I mean, not really, but you know, asking him about the issue, the conflict situation that he's in right now in getting 
those 218 votes behind him. Is some recent headlines on your quest. The New York Times saying that it, your bid remains imperiled on the right. Uh, NBC News says, can the Never Kevin caucus hold the line? And Politico warned by McCarthy critics, one qualified alternative speaker. What can you do in the next couple of weeks to try to lock this up? Because there's a few on that are basically saying they're never going to vote for you for speaker and you don't have the margin that you need in order to get there at least maybe today? Look, our goal was to stop this Biden agenda, win the majority and fire Nancy Pelosi. We achieved all three of those. I've been leader for four years. And he really gets under my skin. Stopping the Biden agenda. How did you stop the Biden agenda? He got a bunch of things done. I guess he's saying going forward, they're able to stop it. Okay. And then gaining the majority and firing Nancy Pelosi are the same goal. And all we've done is win seats when every other Republican entity has lost during that time. We're sitting and talking to every person in the conference. We've had our primary after the election, who to be the nominee. I won that by 85% of the vote. I do not think at the end of the day that five Republicans are going to hold up our opportunity to secure the border. Or that five Republicans are going to sit back and make us not be energy independent. Or let this runaway spending continue. Because that's what will happen. Okay. So he continues with his um, projected confidence that I don't think is genuine because it does seem to be he's in really tough political waters and Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, some of these House Freedom Caucus people are actually holding the line and at least as of now pretending like they're going to vote against Kevin McCarthy because they believe Kevin McCarthy hasn't been far right enough for them or given them the things that they want in negotiations and all of that. It's very interesting, and hopefully it'll continue to cause conflict within their caucus. Thank you so much for watching and listening to today's show. We'll see you tomorrow.